Listening to the Today in the Word radio podcast. This week, we bring you a four-part series of messages on the fellowships that Irvin Robertson presented at Moody Week at Winona Lake, Indiana, 1978. Then on Friday, a standalone message on Samaritan. Irvin Robertson was a 1938 graduate of MBI, missionary, author, MBI faculty member, and coordinator of the Boynton Beach Extension of Moody Evening School. Now, here is Irvin Robertson on Today in the Word. We're speaking, as the Lord has indicated, from the epistle in which Paul begins by saying, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all making request for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. That is from Paul's epistle to the Philippians. I would like you to take your Bibles and turn with me again to this first chapter in Philippians. As we last evening, we pointed out that Paul rejoiced in what he called the fellowship of the gospel. That's in chapter 1 and verse 5. For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. And the Lord indicated to us that in the gospel of Christ or in the body of believers, there is no barrier. Fellowship simply means a co-sharing in all things. Or as we indicated from another a dear saint of God long since with the Lord who said that is nothing less than two fellows in one ship. There are no barriers in the body of Christ. Your fellowship in the gospel, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will be it until the day of Jesus Christ. Now in verse 7 of this same chapter, Philippians chapter 1, you find the expression at the end of that verse, ye are all partakers of grace. The king said, ye are all partakers of my grace, but I think we all recognize that Paul was simply a sinner saved by grace, just exactly as you and I are. Paul had no grace to dispense. Paul was a the grace of God as you and I are, or I trust that we have been. Ye are all partakers or co-sharers in the fellowship of the grace of God. Actually, the word translated partake has the same root in it as is in the word fellowship in verse 5. Fellowship and partakers. I remind you again that the word the fellowship simply means a co-sharing, not simply in, quote, the thing uh, uh, the churches or religion or whatever we may use, use there, that fellowship indicates a co-sharing in everything. The allness of the Christian life at times can be really quite staggering. I'm reminded constantly myself of these two verses that we've quoted several times already, that whether you and I eat or drink or whatsoever we do, we are to do all to the glory of God. Well, you recognize immediately the grace of God. How could we ever begin to heed such a command as this? Or again, we are to do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. And that simply means that whatsoever the Lord Jesus would do in any given situation, you and I are to do likewise. Staggering, is it not? We have much reason to thank God for the fact that his grace is not given to us piecemeal. In John chapter 1 and verse 16, 
His fullness have we all received. Not just the men who stand behind the pulpit or stand in places of prominence in the church. Of his fullness have we all received, and grace for grace. Or I like to read that, grace upon grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. There is the constant wave after wave of the infinite riches of the grace and eternal God. Ye are all partakers with me, says Paul, of grace. Now you say, what is grace again? May I define it for those who did not hear before. Grace is simply the unmerited God, or the goodwill or the favor of God that is given to those who do not deserve it. The favor, the goodwill of God, which is given to those who do not deserve it. In Ephesians verses 6 and 7, Paul writes that you and I have been accepted in the Beloved, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His May I suggest again that many of us lose the impact of the Word because we do not read the words. We have the forgiveness of sins not by any measurable quantity of anything. Forgiveness of all of our sins according to the immeasurable riches of the infinite God. That's what grace is. The grace of God that is given to us. But when we think of the grace of God, we've all been made partakers. We normally think of verses such as Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. And we say, yes, we are saved by the grace of God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. We are saved not by the works which we have done or could ever do, by the grace of God. And to most of us, grace comes to us with the impact of God's saving grace. But you may have noticed that in all of the epistles of Paul, he addresses his beloved in the Lord and says, usually, grace, peace be unto you. Now, of course, he's not suggesting the need to be saved all over again, but he is indicating that those who have been saved by the grace of God need to be constantly recipients of the enabling grace of God. There is only one grace of God. We cannot make it two graces. There's only one grace. But there is grace which we would call the saving grace of God, and there is that which we would call the enabling grace of God. It's interesting that look into the Greek lexicon for the meaning or the uh, definition of the word that is translated grace you find the two meanings at least are given. And the first of the two meanings of the word charis, which is our word grace, is this. Grace is that which affords joy, pleasure, delight, sweetness, charm, loveliness. That's the first definition that is given. Grace is that which gives joy, pleasure, delight, sweetness, charm, loveliness. We have the English word gracious, which is of the same root, of course. You speak of a very gracious person, one in whose company you delight to be, one whose very presence brings joy to your hearts. And this is that of which the Apostle Paul speaks when he desires for the Lord's people grace 
not saving grace because they have been saved, but enabling grace, so that in all things you and I do, others may see none else than the Lord Jesus himself. You and I are the ambassadors. You and I are the representatives of Christ. And it certainly comes to us as a tremendous, continuous challenge that if the people of our generation are going to see the Lord Jesus Christ at all, they have to see him in me. And that's why we need constantly this enabling grace. Saving grace, I suppose, might be seen primarily in that one verse we quoted the other day, 2 Corinthians 8, 9, where Paul says, Ye know the grace of our Lord And we trust we all know that experientially. Ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, who, though he were rich, for your sakes he became poor, in order that you, through his poverty, be rich, rich in all the riches of the inestimable, unlimited, infinite grace of the sovereign and eternal God. That's God's grace that saved us. Verse 2 Corinthians 9, 8. Paul says, yes, also that God is the God of all grace, who is able to cause or to continue to cause all grace to superabound to believe. But grace is not an end in itself. God is able to cause that grace to overflow, to superabound to us who believe that we might also overflow or superabound in good works. The grace of God is not an end in itself. That through your life and through mine, by this grace of God, which we have received without limit, through and in and by our blessed Lord Jesus Christ, we are to be enabled to unto every good work. Yes, unto all bountifulness, he says in the 11th verse of that chapter. So as I look at you this morning, I wonder how many of you are seated here even in pain this morning. We've been made so cognizant many of the Lord's people seem to suffer from continual aches and pains, particularly those who are getting into an upper age bracket. What is your need this morning? Is it physical pain? Is it mental anguish? Do you in your heart this morning? Is there someone that is near and dear to you who does not yet know the Lord or gives no evidence of it? Is there sorrow in your heart? Is there a burden? Is there pain? God's word for you is this. Able to cause not simply enough grace to make your need to flow towards you, but God is able to cause his grace to overflow or to superabound towards you and me. That ye having all sufficiency in all things, might abound unto every good work. Paul says, without any question, inspired as he was by the Holy Spirit, he says, Ye are all part co-sharers with me of the grace of God that is in Christ Jesus. The fellowship of grace. All that we need, actually, to make us Christ-like. Some of you think in Corinthians 12, 9, where the Apostle Paul says, Thy grace is what? Thy grace is sufficient for me. When I am weak, then I am strong, for thy strength is made perfect in my weakness. 
Grace is sufficient for me in any and every situation. We speak here in areas of faith, of course, because you and I have been born again through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we exercised by which we were saved as we put our trust in the Lord Jesus is to be a continuing faith in our everyday living so that the grace of God by which we, we were saved is evident in our the grace of God in us. That you and I are to be Christ-like people. Is that a, does that come as a somewhat of a challenge to one's heart? That as you sit there be listening, or as we are up here on this platform, that we are to be representatives of the Lord Jesus Christ. The late F. B. Meyer once said concerning believers, he said, A Christian can either be a Bible revealing Christ, or else he can be a libel misrepresenting Christ. He can be one or the other. He can be as a Bible representing Christ, or he can be as a libel, a libel misrepresenting the Lord Jesus Christ. Dear friends, you and I are to take the Word of God as God has given it to us, and to realize that there is no good reason whatsoever that you and I should not be able to say exactly as the Apostle Paul said. And he said, Be ye imitators of me three times at least. Be ye mimics of me, as I am also of Christ. Be imitators, mimics of me, as I am also of Christ. For, as he said, to me living is Christ. Who was the Apostle Paul? Oh, that was the great, that great saint of God, the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul, friends, was only a sinner saved by grace. The same grace as as by which you and I have been saved. To me, living is Christ. It's very interesting. In Acts chapter 11, you may recall the story that the, that the church in Jerusalem had heard that Gentiles were believing on the Lord Jesus Christ in Antioch. That in the Gentile city of Antioch, people were actually coming to Christ. Believers in Jerusalem simply couldn't believe it. And so they sent one of the number by name Barnabas down to Antioch to see what was going on. And we read in Acts chapter 11 and verse 23, when he saw of God, he was glad. Now, how did he see the grace of God? Is it not interesting that it was in Antioch that believers were first of all called Christians? When he saw how did he see the grace of God? He saw it in the changed lives of people. People who had been redeemed by the blood of Christ. People who had been saved by the grace of God. Who knew the grace of God in every day that they actually manifested the Lord Jesus and they were called Christians. Christians. Dear friend, reminded me last night of, of the... Um, the uh, 18th Psalms, 18 or 40. Let me look at the Psalms. Just, I think it's Psalm 40, which many of you will remember. The psalmist writes, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. He brought me up also out of an horrible pit and out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a 
He hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it and shall trust in the Lord. A new song in my mouth, but this is a song, a song that is to be sung, but a song that is to be seen. When Barnabas saw the grace of God, his heart was made glad. Many shall see it and shall trust in the man, indeed, who maketh the Lord his trust. With all of the authority of the Word of God, I can say once again, in the words of the Apostle Paul, to those of you who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you have been made a co a joint participant, if you please, in the inestimable, infinite grace of the eternal God. Co-sharers in the grace of God. Now look at 2 Corinthians 6.1 for just a moment. Again, what we suggested the other day. Because it's all too easy for us to speak on these things and leave people somewhat high and dry, wishing, as it were, that this might be actual in their lives. One would how many of the Lord's people there are that actually know experientially a life of victory over sin? How many are there, how many of the Lord's people are there who really experientially know what it means to walk of the Holy Spirit? And is it not amazing that we are commanded to be filled with the Spirit? We're not commanded to be baptized in the Spirit, for we have all been baptized by one Spirit into the one body. That's a past action. But we are told in Ephesians 5.18, Be ye continually being filled with the Spirit. Be ye continually being controlled by the Holy Spirit. That is the life of victory over sin. That is the victorious life which God intends for people like us, not only for people like the Apostle Paul. Well, how is it to be? Well, we begin at least with 2 Corinthians 6.1. You recall the other day that I suggested this was a which the meaning became evident to me when we saw it in one of the languages that we had to learn in India. To read it in the King James, we beseech you then as workers together with him, we beseech you also that ye receive not the grace of God. I confess I didn't never really realize what that meant until we read it in Hindi and brought it back into English that it actually says that you, that you do not allow the grace of God to remain unused. Allow the infinite riches of the grace of God, which are yours in Christ Jesus. Remember these words again, of his fullness have we all received. That's a past perfect tense, really. You're not to allow the riches of the grace of God. And what are the riches of the great grace of God? That which gives joy, pleasure, delight, sweetness, charm, and loveliness. You are not to allow those riches to remain unused. Create them by the same faith by which you were saved. Colossians 2.6 is a verse that often comes to mind when people say, well, how is this to be in my life? The answer is Colossians 2.6. As ye Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. Walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. As ye receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so 
in him. I have the privilege, I've had the privilege these recent years, and have it coming up again this next year, of teaching Romans. And those of you who have studied Romans have no doubt learned that the key verse or the key suggestion often is in chapter 18, the just shall live by faith. And we take that verse and we make it the foundation verse for the great doctrine of justification. How true it is that the sinner is justified from all sin through faith in the He is declared to be righteous through faith in the Lord Jesus. And yet, at least two-thirds of the epistle to the Romans, I believe, deals with the fact that the sinner who has been saved by grace through faith live by that same principle of faith. The just shall really live as he exercises faith. And that's what you have in 2 Corinthians 6.1 that you receive not the grace or that you do not allow the grace of God to remain unused. You're to appropriate it by faith. You're to say, Lord, I take that which thou dost give. It's the same faith as that by which... If you have the picture of it in the first chapter of Joshua, you remember the people of Israel are on the east bank of the River Jordan, and God has brought them to this place redeemed them out of Egypt, the wanderings in the wilderness. Now they are there on the east bank of Jordan. God says through Joshua, or Moses to Joshua, as he says, yonder is the land of Canaan. Yonder is the land of Canaan. Every place that the soles of your feet shall tread upon, that hath given unto you. You notice the verbs again. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given you. Go in and possess the land. Would they possess any of that to them if they did not go in and take it? The same picture of many of the Lord's people, friends, who spend their lives on the east bank of the River Jordan. They have never crossed by faith, and they have never appropriated by faith that is necessary to enable them, yes, superabounding and necessary, super sufficient to meet every need which is theirs in the Lord Jesus Christ. James H. McConkie, whom some of you will remember, in one of his little booklets said that as he contemplated the Lord's people, he thought that many of them were like a, well, a couple of little mice that he would imagine who lived in Egypt in the seventh year of plenty after the barns had been simply all of the riches of the superabundance of the earth's provision. And he said, these two mice, one was fat and sleek, well cared for, the other was, looked as if it was dying of starvation. And these two mice, according to him, were talking one to another. He said to the thin one, why are you so desperately uh, starving? Why do you look like this? Why are you so needy? And the skinny one is supposed to have said, Well, I'm afraid that if I eat my fill, there will not be enough going. And there he was. Can you imagine how ridiculous it is? A little mouse in the midst of all of the granaries of Egypt. And McConkie went on to say, Many of the Lord's people are like that. They have been redeemed out of the land of Egypt. They have experienced the grace of God for salvation, and they have truly been born again but they have not appropriated by that same faith all the riches of God's grace which actually belongs to them. Now, of course, the 
grace is not an end in itself, as we have indicated. Look back to Philippians chapter 1 and verse 9. Chapter 1 and verse 9. And you will see there that grace actually is given to The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ abounds towards us and is to abound through us in order that love may abound. Would to God that I had another half hour at least, but I do not have at this particular moment. Verse 9. This I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. You and I are to appropriate the grace of God so that the love of of Christ will abound or overflow through us. As we likewise mentioned the other day, the great motivating factor in missions or in any kind of Christian witness is 2 Corinthians verse 14, where Paul says, The love of Christ constraineth us, whereby we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead, and that he rose again, that, he, that, that they which live might themselves, but live unto him who died for them and rose again. So here we have the riches of the grace of God that are ours, so that the love of God or the love of Christ rested in us and through us. Paul writes in Romans 13, 8 and says, Owe no man anything save to love one another, so that I may know nothing of your financial or economic situation. You and I have a debt which we are always paying but can never fully pay. Owe no man anything save to love one another, for love, he says, is the fulfilling of the law. And even though the Apostle Paul had Philippians in this wise, Always in every prayer of mine for you all, making requests for joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun this good work in you will be it until the day of Jesus Christ. Nevertheless, he says here, I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all discernment. He said much the same to the Thessalonians them upon the fact of their work of faith or their faith that works, of their labor of love or the love that labors and their hope that produces patience or perseverance. He nevertheless goes on to say, this is my prayer for you, that your love may abound and more. So we appropriate the grace of God by faith in order that we might not be reservoirs of all the blessings such as we receive at a conference like this simply soaking up all of the riches of the glorification of the Lord's people. We're not reservoirs, dear friends. We are upon this scene, we are upon this earth, that we might be channels of blessing unto others. We sing that hymn, Make Me a Channel of Blessing to Someone Today. We've changed that in some of our classes at Moody, and we sing, Lord, make me a channel of blessing to everyone today. Why should we not be? That your love may abound. The great battle cry of the Apostle John, 1 John 5, 1, and with this, really close. Listen to this statement of fact. This is not a question. This is not an exclamation point. This is a statement of fact. 1 John 5, 1. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. 
Number one, and everyone that loveth him that begat, loveth him also that is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. That your love may abound. Dear friends, partakers, fellow partakers with me of the grace of God, may others this day see none other than the Lord Jesus Christ in us. Shall we bow our heads and our hearts in prayer? Father dear, as we contemplate the day as it lies ahead of us, as we contemplate the immense store of the riches of thy grace, which we see in an auditorium like this, we do trust, O God, that everyone within sound of my voice knows the riches of thy grace. We would commit ourselves one and all to thee. By that grace, O God, by that grace that is in Christ Jesus, others may see Christ Jesus and his grace in us. Make us, make us, O God, channels of blessing to everyone this day through Jesus. Lord. Amen. You've been listening to the Today in the Word radio podcast and one of the fellowship messages that Irvin Robertson presented at Moody Week at Winona Lake, Indiana, 1978. Irvin Robertson was a 1938 graduate, missionary, author, MBI faculty member, and coordinator of the Boynton Beach Extension of Moody Evening School. Audio copies of this and many other messages from the podcast are available at moodyaudio.com. Today in the Word Radio is Moody Radio, a ministry of the Moody Bible Institute.